technology and finance are going to be the common languages of enterprises and companies. Just as today you evaluate and examine the numbers to determine the health, right, of the company, you know, you should be doing the same thing with their technology investments, right? Like, <laughs> I think that's a potentially a reflection, too, of how healthy a company is, is, right, how well have they invested in technology and leveraged it for the business. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Modern Business Operations. My name is Sagi. I'm the founder and CEO of Tonkin. And today I have the pleasure to host Ravi Malik, the global CIO at Box. Hey, Ravi, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here and, and have this conversation with you. Awesome. Well, Everyone knows Box, or at least, you know, I think everyone knows I Box. So. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we you can spend a couple minutes going maybe through your background and what is what is the role of CIO in Box and maybe the things top of mind. Let's see, where to start? So I've been with Box now for goodness, almost 11 months. Prior to that, I had a, I guess, kind of an interesting road to the CIO role. I... Started my career in investment banking and institutional equity and fixed income. I spent a few years after that at PwC and management consulting before really getting into the software startup, the first sort of software startup wave way back, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, kind of dating myself here. But yeah, spent about, I think it was about 10 years or so in the software startup at a couple of different companies. And then kind of went back into finance and financial services at a couple smaller companies slash startups before making my way into the energy market and into IT. So I didn't, most of my career was spent actually on the, either the consulting or the sales, marketing, pre-sales, product management side of the house, and actually selling to IT and working with IT before I actually got into IT. As it was late 2010, I ended up joining a company called TXU Energy, which is a retail electric company here in, in Texas. So I'm based out of the Dallas area. It was a pretty interesting time for the company because they had recently been acquired by Goldman, KKR, and TPG, very large LBO. They bought TXU Corp, took them private, created Energy Future Holdings. You had TXU Energy which was the retail, Luminant, which was Generation, and Encore, which was transmission and distribution. They had had a very large BPO outsourcing agreement with another company. They chose to then insource everything. So it was like being at a startup in a really large company. We were hiring people in IT and finance, in HR. I mean, it was literally like going from one employee in each of those areas to you know a full-blown organization, setting up call centers, they implemented SAP, all of this just at the retail business. So it was a really, really fun time. And they needed people that knew how to grow companies and had some experience there. Because when I, I talked to the CIO there, I said, you know, I've never been in IT and I've never been in energy. He said, you're perfect. <laughs> so, so I spent a lot of time just really kind of creating the IT organization, policies, procedures, budgets, the, the process for investing and managing Shortly after, you know, I took on our customer engagement applications before spending about a year at our corporate parent energy future holdings at EFH, where I was more or less the kind of the CFO for IT. I had some other responsibilities, PMO, QA, architecture, but I spent really the majority of my time really 
kind of shaping and, and developing the long range plan and how that tied to the roadmap for, you know, that, that we were laying out for the next five to seven years. So capital investments, you know, large, uh, fairly large company, pretty significant spend. So, you know, how do we effectively deploy 40 to $50 million of capital every year to continue to grow and scale technology? That company may or may not hurt. So we went into, there was a bankruptcy in chapter 11, spring of 2014. They filed, emerged as Vistra in the fall of 2016. During that time, I came back from EFH to run technology at the retail at TXU Energy, where I was doing that for the duration of the bankruptcy. When we emerged, their global CIO, who had been a mentor of mine, decided he was going to do something different. And so they asked me to take on the global CIO role. So I became the, the CIO for Vistra as SVP and, and CIO for Vistra Energy, which is now Vistra Corp, one of the largest competitive generators and retailers of electricity. During that time, we went through several acquisitions, major acquisitions on the generation side, major acquisitions on the retail side, all while transforming IT to move to the cloud and automate it. <laughs> so after about four years in that role, I needed a break. Uh, I took some time off. I was a, always an, uh, a fan of Box, uh, was an early customer. It was a key part of our cloud migration strategy. I had heard they were looking and I, I reached out to Aaron and, and Dylan and said, uh, maybe we should talk. So <laughs> that's where I am. What's wow. fun about my role at Box is, you know, I get to do the kind of traditional stuff, IT, run IT, you know, security, those, those kinds of things. But I also, about 50% of my time, I spend with customers. So I talk to CIOs and other IT executives, 50% of my time, you know, about how they're deploying Box, about content, right? How, how that, that market is, is shifting and really just kind of at its early stages of value for enterprises, but also just kind of in general, right? Around how IT is changing, how the role of CIO is changing and, you know, how, how we need to evolve. Wow! First of all, <laughs> that's not, what a what that a ride. A <laughs> yeah, no, what a ride though. I don't know how common it is to come from the sales and marketing and operation and then finance and then back, you know, to to the technology side. I think it's fascinating the type of point of view you you gather alongside, and so it makes a ton of sense. When now in in box, you spend a lot of time on that side too of of, of consulting and talking to customers or prospects. You mentioned a couple other things that I, I found very interesting, and maybe maybe we can double click into. Well, one is even through the bankruptcy and then re-emerging and then acquisition, and then there's a lot of that operational investment and changes and growth and shrinking and growing again that is kind of crazy when you think about it. But what might even be more crazy is that it's been very common in the last few years with the, with the pandemic and, and everything else. I feel like a lot of companies and definitely a lot of companies I've been talking to, this has been a quarterly thing. You go up and you go down and you have visibility yeah. and you don't have visibility. Where is the market going? You know, the public markets are doing their thing, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and global affairs. And there's a lot of different things that are really going on in the last two to three years that might be the type of roller coasters, the extremity of it is probably new for most people. What are your takeaways from you know the those few years, but also you know you've you've kind of went through roller coasters just from what you was just saying. 
how do you come about, you know, when you come to that new rolling box and you and you look at the at, at what our market are doing? And you know, we've talked, you know, before this call too about you know how the fabric of actual work change and people are no longer working from the office and working remote. All those changes requires a different state of mind of how to even approach those. How do you think about those things? In IT, folks that have been IT and had the careers in IT are used to that kind of up and down roller coaster, right? It is, you've become accustomed to being able to shift and adapt and balance. I heard one CIO use the analogy, it's, you know, like being an elephant balancing on the head of a pin, right? You're <laughs> constantly having to shift <laughs> a little bit, right? And understand which way the wind is blowing and it's a balancing act. But, you know, I think what certainly what the pandemic has highlighted and, and, and helped us, I guess now, instead of balancing on a pin, maybe, you know, now we're balancing on a table, right? Because the importance and the necessity of technology to enable an effective remote workforce is, I mean, it's, it's on, you know, there's no doubt, there's no doubt that, that you have to have that, you know, markets aside and all that stuff. I mean, we could get into algo trading and how that influences the markets <laughs> and why we have all these ups and downs, you know, you know, the, the ability to adapt, right. And scale quickly, uh, you know, I think less about sort of the public markets and really more about the evolution of the enterprise and being able to do that in a way that is independent of, you know, human capital. Right. And that's where technology has always played a role, you know, certainly for the last 50 plus years, companies have been implementing, technology to automate processes, you know, for the last several decades. I think, you know, for a while it kind of shifted into this sort of customer experience. I'm going to focus on the customer experience and use technology to improve that and, you know, create this sort of seamless, frictionless customer experience with data and analytics and insights. But I think, you know, what I'm seeing is that there's a shift back, right? And and certainly the the pandemic highlighted the need for it. But, you know, even before that, maybe a couple of years before, you started to hear about RPA, right? And I think there, there was a realization that there was still a fair amount of human middleware in key business processes, right, that were creating friction, whether it was, you know, it wasn't running fast enough or you had single points of failure, right? Those, those things are being highlighted. And then just the pandemic sort of, you know, 10x that in terms of, oh my gosh, you know, we've got a lot of human dependency. And so the need for automation, I think, certainly increased across a number of areas in order to, you know, for companies, one, to make the adjustment into this sort of new way of working, but also to, to really, to be able to scale. The ability to have, to be able to put that into the hands of employees that could effectuate automation at an enterprise level, I think is really starting to shape kind of these new platforms that are coming out, right? That are enabling that. You know, there was personal automation for a little while, right? You saw some of those tools, but those have started to evolve into this. Okay, well, I can stitch together lots of personal automations to create, you know, meaningful enterprise level automation that, you know, enables scalability and, you know, cost effective scalability, I think most importantly. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, 
providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at Tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community. You know, we talked a lot about actually found ourselves talking a lot of in, in this podcast about that concept of leverage that technology is, is actually meant to be, right? If you, you know, I always say that you take a, you take a rock and you break a coconut, that's also technology because you yeah, leverage, yeah, you, right. you know, it's not your, yeah. your, your, your bare hand that you, you know, put on the coconut, you know, even, even box was a big player when you, when the cloud came in, it was really the, the concept of how can we deliver the power of software in a more f- efficient, iterative way to mm-hmm. enable that leverage to come faster. So it's not like software change. People can say that software changed a lot, but it's it not really. It's just more and more abstraction of the same concepts, uh, putting aside ML and AI. But, you know, everything else was, it's still pretty much databases with UIs on top of them. You know, that it's, yeah. like, it's, it's pretty much the same, but the delivery of it was a big deal because then you can iterate from business functionality perspective and I'm kind of connecting to to the point you mentioned in a second, but that bi- that business functionality, once you can iterate faster and deliver it to the end user faster, you can get to to value faster. Now, when it comes to automation, to your point, and personal automation versus now more broader up automation, and 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 I don't know if you meant like all those the low code platforms and no code platforms and areas yeah. where you basically also in a way improve the delivery of software just from a different perspective saying now you have software that with the right guardrails right because you know it's it takes more than just uh it's not not about it's not about scripting versus not scripting it's there's some best practices but assuming the guardrails um you're bringing the leverage into the pain points faster because it's one step further than packaging it in a SaaS model it's now that same packaging go even further to be packaged to customize customizing my problem or my team problem or even my department problem. And it's great to hear your perspective because there's definitely seems like two type of approaches when it comes to that balance act between IT and you know the CIO office and the business into enable those type of empowerment, if you will whether it's center of excellence or satellite, like how do you think about when you do think about bringing those type of technology, those, this new generation or however we want to call it, technologies to the, to the business that are less technical, how do you think the, the approach should be or have you seen? It's evolving, right? And I think that there's a really good way to look at this. If you look at, sort of the finance, finance, whatever your pronunciation, organization and how that has evolved over the years, right? 30, 40 years ago, accounting, the planning, all that, they, it was, okay, you, you folks, you're going to be behind the scenes. We don't need you to talk to anybody. You just crunch the numbers. You know, fast forward to where we are now, and you look at how that function, and I know there are a lot of variables that have contributed to it, but 
very front and center, right? And in, in, in many cases, the CFO is, is usually the number two or, or number three person in a company. A lot of times the heir apparent. I think technology and IT is going through a similar phase where now, you know, you cannot be a leader. In, and in some cases, you really can't even be sort of a frontline manager and not have at least a cursory understanding of operational finance and my budget and how, you know, how I'm spending the money. I think technology is going to is effectively going to evolve the same way, right? And that you won't be able to do your job without at least some basic level of understanding of how I'm going to apply technology to be effective and successful in my role. All right. So I don't think that that means that, hey, we're going to be, you're going to get rid of the IT department, but the what the, you know, sort of the what of the IT department and what it does and what the CIO does is going to shift and change, right? You know, the the distributed nature of it, right? I mean, in some cases, you know, there is a, a more centralized view to, to finance, but, you know, you look at most companies, sort of the finance, you know, department develops the budgets, you know, does the forecasting planning, everything, but then it gets distributed out, right? And if they put it into the hands of people who have to go execute against it. I think technology is will be following that same path, right? And you're already seeing that. There was sort of this negative view with shadow IT, right? You heard shadow IT, and as a CIO, I got to worry about shadow IT because of security and all this other stuff. I've I've viewed, and I've, I look, I fell into the sort of the trap of like, oh my god, shadow IT is awful. It's bad. I got to you know must crush it. Have to crush it, uh, or you know I got to control it. And you know I think the reality is is that look, that's that's additional capacity, right? Those are additional champions. Those are folks, you know, that have recognized that, yeah, I can, I can apply technology in order to be more successful in, in my job and, and, you know, and for the company. And so I think, you know, embracing that to, you know, and educating folks and, and knowing like, hey, this is just a, a continued extension Right of this trend that is you know on this super steep curve of uh, you know education and knowledge around technology and how do I deploy it and how do I you know do it in an effective and secure manner right and I think you know just like kind of the CFO the CIO's responsibility is to make sure that okay I'm doing this in a way right that doesn't take me beyond my risk tolerance and is getting the return on investment that you know we have that we expect, right? And, and it becomes a very similar kind of view, right? That, you know, and you see CIOs, you know, particularly for large companies, Fortune 500, Fortune 100, right? I mean, the last time they were like, you know, in the nuts, nuts and bolts of talking code was probably, you know, they, they probably can't even remember, right? Because it's really, it's a business leadership role, right? And you're, you got to think about ways like, okay, I've, I've got a hundred million 200 million of capital that I've got to deploy over the next two to three years in technology that needs to have a return on it. It's becoming more and more pervasive. It, it's going to continue to evolve that way. You know, and I think that that's shaping how the role is evolving too, right? This CIO is one of the few roles in the C-suite that you got to know every area of the business. You got to know finance, you got to know HR, you got to know operations, you got to know, you know, customers, you really have to understand how the business works end to end. I think it's brilliant. I've never actually thought about or talked about it in that way of comparison. I actually think 
the finest comparison, but you can also even argue from a job perspective too. Like if you're a leader of a team or a department, you are expected to know how to handle budget to your point, to know how to do one-on-ones, you know, and like think about career progressive. Sure, you have an HR partner where you can consult with and then and just like the finance and the, therefore just like IT, take more of an architect role into like mm-hmm. what are the swim lanes? What are the guidelines? The, what is the total budget? What is the to, what is the infrastructure? How does it fit into the context of the full environment? Exactly. Right? Oh, exactly. you want to do this? All right. Well, let's talk about how do you integrate that? What's the right way? Right? Exactly. How, do you, how should you be thinking about this? Yeah, but you won't expect at the same time the HR business partner to do all the one-on-ones for you. So similarly, although they weren't centralized, like the finance, like you said, was centralized in the past, it cannot it cannot actually scale unless you understand that human is a resource, capital is a resource, but technology is a resource too. Absolutely. And, and you need to invest in that resource and be and, and be educated by it. So I think the reason I think it's brilliant is because even you know for the listeners, there's really very two practical takeaways here for, for organizations to understand that, that that resource, just like capital and, and, and human resource, something you have to be strategic and tactical Absolutely. about, but also for business leaders or like even managers level all the way to director and, 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 and executives, you need to have that skill set within you or within your team to leverage this resource. Otherwise, you're behind. I think this is such a great insight. Well, thank you. You know, I, I, I tell my folks when I talk to IT, other IT leaders or new emerging leaders, and they ask, you know, what's the, what's the one skill, right, that I need to make sure I know and I learn? I said, well, if you don't know finance, you need to know finance. You know, and I would tell a finance person, if you don't know technology, <laughs> you need to know technology, right? The, I think those two, you know, finance is the common language of companies, Right. No matter you know wherever you're based, right? It's math. It's it's math right? I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter where you are in the world. At the end of the day, the numbers are what you know is going to define the company. I think technology is is going to be similar, right? Technology and finance are going to be the common languages of enterprises and companies. Just as today, you evaluate and examine the numbers to determine the health, right, of the company. You know, you should be doing the same thing with their technology investments, right? Like, I think that's a potentially a reflection too of how healthy a company is, is right. How well have they invested in technology and leveraged it for the business? Amazing. Well, I think we're about time, but that was extremely powerful way to end too. Thank you so much for, for the conversation. I think there's definitely practical takeaways. Everyone would appreciate if someone want to reach out, ask more question, or just nerd about those things, where can they find you? Twitter or LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn for sure. And then at my own detriment, my email is just Ravi, R-A-V-I dot Malik, M-A-L-I-C-K at box.com. Nice. Awesome. Well, Ravi, that was all my pleasure. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you, Sagia. It's It's been fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at talking.com slash M-B-O-P-O-D. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. 